Welcome to Federal Insights Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions Month, sponsored by Verizon. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Tom Kalatosti, Executive Director for Public Sector Programs Management at Verizon. Tom, good to have you on today. Thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about EIS. Let's get right to it. This is a massive undertaking by the federal government, both by GSA and, of course, by the agencies that have to adopt some of the programs and services under EIS. And yet the transition is behind schedule. So what are you hearing? What's your sense of what the challenges our agencies are facing as they try to move to these next generation of services? Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing is, I think, mainly probably two primary challenges. One is a little bit more... Uh, immediate and tactical, and the other is probably more of a, of a long-term and strategic challenge. The first one, the more immediate and tactical one, is obviously the unanticipated impacts of COVID. And what we really saw over the past couple months is agencies were really forced to shift their focus from EIS uh, very quickly on two things. I'd say the first is really more of an externality, which is uh, their new COVID serving service offerings for their constituents. Uh, so this involved a lot of creation of new uh, communications channels. Uh, they had to make a number of IVR application changes, uh, introduction and, and refinement of, uh, of a number of chatbots, enhancements to conferencing features, uh, establishing new contact centers, and all of the things they needed to do to, to spin up pretty quickly and, and address their, their new missions as, as a result of COVID. Um, and then on the other side, really from an internal perspective, uh, one of the challenges they had to face was really simultaneously uh, enabling their workforce to be able to operate remotely. So a number of these agencies, as you may know, were used to working on location and in offices, and they immediately uh, had to spin up work from home policies. And that was resulted in a lot of um, capacity and bandwidth expansion on the network. We saw a significant amount of uh, increased seats and licenses for unified collaboration and communication services, the need to add new VPN connectivity. So very quickly, their attention, I think, really got diverted from EIS and from transition to um, supporting COVID. And the I second guess, uh, thing I would just... Let me just interrupt yeah, you right there. There's a little bit of irony in that, in that all of these new services, applications, collaboration, VPNs would be enhanced if they had the latest services available under EIS. That, that's precisely right. I mean, if EIS had come a couple of years ago, um, they may have, may have been able to avail themselves of these new technologies and, and, and probably would have been um, a lot more prepared. I still think there was a challenge in that they weren't used to necessarily having um, employees work from home, uh, but they would have had a contract vehicle in place that would have allowed them to kind of spin up these capabilities pretty quickly. All right, and you were going to and, discuss the long-term problems. Yeah, so thank you. So, so from a long-term perspective, I would say agencies are really trying to balance the urgency of contract transition with sort of the necessity of strategic modernization. So like on the one hand, um, agencies recognize that they've got to transition quickly. Their legacy contracts are expiring quickly um, and, they, and they need to move. However, on the other side, uh, agencies are increasingly recognizing that they need to modernize their infrastructure as quickly as possible. A number of agencies are still operating on older technologies. Those technologies are beginning to break down. They don't support their mission needs as sufficiently as they once did. And so what's happening is because these procurement processes, these communication procurement processes 
take quite some time to execute and require significant planning and effort, a number of agencies are really, rather than just kind of taking care of transition first and then modernizing later, I think are really trying to, trying to do it all in a one-step process so they don't need to, uh, so they don't need to really execute a, a transition strategy and then a subsequent modernization strategy, which would use a lot of resources. And so that's obviously a very, uh, a very difficult balance, again, for them to strike. Um, and it's, it's tough to do it right. And there's, there's pros and cons, really, to, to both of those strategies. Sure. And over the decades, as the government has moved from one telecommunications kind of master contract, if you will, for want of a better word, to mm -hmm. another, you've seen the two things that you mentioned. There's improvement in existing technologies, and then there's deployment of new technologies, which can help them modernize and get beyond just stretching what was already in place. So what about the pros and cons of simply replacing what you have with version B, maybe going from X base T to Y base T, for example, versus the yeah. modernization effort of, of yeah. leasing services with something new? Yeah, so I think there's really kind of two main ways that agencies are looking at it that I kind of articulated before. The first is uh, more of a, what I would just kind of say is a like-for-like -like transition, moving what you have today. And this becomes then more of a back office move as opposed to a physical infrastructure move. And what this allows agencies to do, I think, is meet really tight transition timelines, because um, I mentioned you know, many of these contracts are expiring shortly. Uh, it is also a much lower cost to transition, because in that sense, you're really reusing a lot of your existing infrastructure, and there's limited agency overhead, and it becomes hopefully more of a, of a digitally automated transition. And it tends to also be a little bit lower risk. You don't have to worry as much about hot cuts or transformations. Um, to new and advanced uh, technology solutions. And so it allows for a little bit tighter of a continuity of operations. But one of the challenges, unfortunately, with that then is you're, again, you're persisting a lot of your outdated technology. And that outdated technology is really becoming a lot more expensive to maintain. Uh, local exchange carrier prices on some of these t older TDM circuits, these lower bandwidth TDM circuits, uh, are continuing to increase. Um, it's, it's expensive because it's difficult to scale um, some of these older TDM circuits and you can't avail yourself of some of the technology that, that, uh, that dynamic bandwidth allows and some of the newer type Ethernet services. Uh, and it's really harder to, um, to restore. The, the equipment is, is harder to find and there's less diversity options there. So, so modernization is really a great alternative to some of those cons. You're going to get your better performance. You're going to get your better latency. You're going to get your better throughput. Um, and again, you can kind of improve your, your long-term cost models, right? Once you overcome that capital investment, you can move towards more of a consumption model where you can burst or throttle your speeds as needed using dynamic networking. And you can do things like take advantage of software-defined networking and application-aware routing so that you can prioritize your workflows and, and make sure that you're only um, putting your most critical traffic across your most expensive workflows. Again, that's unfortunately, a, you know, a bit of a large capital investment, and it does involve more uh, effort on the part of the agency to future-proof their RFP, um, to transition over to the new environment, to train their resources, et cetera, and all of that really then has, uh, you know, associated lengthier, uh, lengthier timeframes to do that. All right, lots of choices. And on that note, we'll take a short break. 
My guest today is Tom Kalatosti, Executive Director for Public Sector Programs Management at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on Federal Insights EIS Month, sponsored by Verizon here on Federal News Network. Your transition to EIS shouldn't be complicated, and that's where Verizon can help. With a proven transition process and experience moving millions of connections, Verizon can give you the expertise and support you need. So you can worry less about the risk of disruption or overworking your team. And when you're ready to modernize, we'll be there to help. Rely on Verizon to help make your transition into EIS as simple as possible. The partner government agencies rely on. Get started with a transition guide at enterprise.verizon.com EIS. Welcome back to Federal Insights EIS Month, sponsored by Verizon here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tom Kalatosti. Executive Director for Public Sector Programs Management at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And let's talk about transition itself, some of the strategies for taking that time that agencies need to move to EIS. What are some of the evaluation considerations they should have when looking at the vendors across this massive contract? Yeah, so, you know, agencies, I mean, EIS is a, is a long contract. And so agencies should really be very judicious when they're, when they're identifying a vendor and when they're evaluating vendors. And I'd say one of the first and foremost things they should look at is, is past performance. Has the vendor, when, when we're looking at transition, has the vendor actually conducted a transition of this type of scope and magnitude before? And not only have they done it, but have they been successful? And really look at then kind of the past performance of those vendors and they should be able to, in their proposal response, pretty clearly demonstrate what they've done um, and, and how they've done it for applications that are similar to what you're looking to, uh, to transition. Uh, the next thing I would say then with any, with any transition really is just around uh, risk factors, okay? And the, and the key to a good transition is obviously doing it quickly while mitigating the associated risk. And bidders should be required and need to sort of plan, uh, put out an artic articulate plan for how they're going to mitigate risks associated with a rapid transition. And, they, and to that end, they should really have a holistic project plan all together where they can provide a comprehensive work breakdown structure that articulates how exactly they are going to meet that specific timeline. Um, and, and, and agencies should really ask for a detailed plan there. And then one of the final things I would say is, is consider all potential costs. This was a big lesson learned, I think, from when we went to FTS to networks. It can be very difficult at times to analyze uh, apples to apples costs across vendors. And so there's many costs that may not be explicitly priced and you don't want to make an award to a particular vendor and then kind of get surprised after that award about a number of new sort of features that are being added or a number of new components or resources that weren't originally priced into the deal that perhaps another vendor would have offered uh, free of charge or for, for a much lower price. And then finally, I would say maybe one more thing is, is automation. In order to do this quickly, a good vendor needs to be able to have uh, digital transformation and automated workflows in place that will actually be able to automate this transition quickly. This can't be stretched out over long periods of time. We don't have long periods of time. And so, especially in this age of digital transformation, I think it's paramount that, um, that a vendor articulate what an automated transition strategy looked like and work that into their work breakdown structure of the project. And just briefly, when you mention risk and performance and past performance, what can go wrong? What are some of the things quickly that can go wrong in a situation like this, like no dial tone on Monday? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're actually um, uh, making a change to your physical infrastructure, let's say you're going through the modernization route, um, many agencies should have, or many vendors, excuse me, should have a, a good plan to actually cut over those services with limited service interruptions. Uh, but that is not always the case. There are certainly certain technologies and certain communications that uh, perhaps could suffer from downtime if the risk is not managed appropriately. So you've also got to understand, I think what's really important is what are the, what are the schedule constraints? What are the key um, moratoriums that agencies have? What are the key blackout periods? Many agencies have agency-specific moratoriums and blackout periods that they can't operate. And a risk mitigation plan should really be worked hand in glove with an agency to walk through um, what, a, what each of those uh, risk factors could potentially be and what the mitigating strategy could be um, before actually proceeding with any type of a transition. And can Verizon help agencies start that planning and evaluation before they get to the actual pulling the trigger on transition? We'll talk about that separately, but what are some of the things you do to help them with that planning process? Yeah, no, no question. I mean, the first, the first and foremost thing, even before you get to transition, I think that's really important is um, EIS is a, it's a fantastic addition to GSA's portfolio of contracts. Um, but there's a lot of nuance and a lot of detail within the pages of that RFP that needs to be unpacked. And I think a lot of agencies perhaps haven't had the opportunity to, to fully dive in and understand uh, the power that can be unlocked from this contract. So one of the very first things that we do is offer a very comprehensive suite of training. And we have something like close to 40 or so modules that cover everything from an EIS introduction to transition overviews to product guides uh, to training on the portal, training on our back office systems. And part of that is we'll walk through very specifically how a transition will work, how we build the project plan, how we um, create automation around the transition and the inventory workflows. Uh, and what our risk mitigation strategy and communication strategy and rollback plan looks like. Um, because in order to do this well, you really, really need a very comprehensive plan to be effective. And maybe briefly describe some of the tools that you mentioned to automate all of this when transition point actually comes. Yeah, so when we did this, when we moved from FTS to networks, which was the, the, the predecessor transition, we actually transitioned over 3 million services for agencies between those two contract vehicles. So we have a, um, a, you know, a patented solution that has been proven and is tried and true. I think one of the most critical things to remember, and it's the single biggest key for, for a painless, effective transition, is you've got to have a thorough understanding of your inventory. And so what we've been proficient at over the years is first, even though there's a large disparate group of, of, of services available, we've been able to build data models that model that inventory and can ingest that data for current customers through our own applications, through, uh, through a variety of suites of provisioning applications and managed network applications, or being able to use discovery tools on the network where we can actually go out and do a, a lot of network discovery and actually pull back inventory and in many circumstances we find equipment and devices and circuits that the customers themselves didn't even realize so the first piece i think really is modeling that inventory and capturing kind of what those key data elements of the inventory and then using ai on top of that 
really to compare that inventory against what is available on the existing EIS contract to provide a set of data rules that then spit out and say um, what addresses are not yet on contract, what speeds or, or features are not currently available, um, or what variety of other sort of nuanced anomalies would be able to preclude transition so that we can work through with the agencies on addressing those. And as those get addressed, we rerun the rules engine. And what that does is then provide clean inventory. And then once that inventory really is scrubbed and cleaned, we can then partner with agencies at that point to, to build their account hierarchy so that they can structure the data exactly as they want to structure the data in the manner that's most effective for them. They may want to see it on their bill by region or by product or by bureau. And then we run it through uh, uh, an automated engine that basically um, takes all of those legacy services and fits them for purpose into the next generation contract vehicle. And that's all done in an automated, uh, in an automated fashion and meets all of the deliverable requirements of both the legacy contract and the new contract. Okay, and we'll take a short break on that note. Tom Kalatosti is my guest today. He's the Executive Director for Public Sector Programs Management at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on Federal Insights EIS Month, sponsored by Verizon here on Federal News Network. Your transition to EIS shouldn't be complicated, and that's where Verizon can help. With a proven transition process and experience moving millions of connections, Verizon can give you the expertise and support you need so you can worry less about the risk of disruption or overworking your team. And when you're ready to modernize, we'll be there to help. Rely on Verizon to help make your transition into EIS as simple as possible. The partner government agencies rely on. Get started with a transition guide at enterprise.verizon.com EIS. Welcome back to Federal Insights EIS Month, sponsored by Verizon here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Tom Kalatosti, Executive Director for Public Sector Programs Management at Verizon. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And let's talk about once an agency has transitioned to EIS, and EIS then can become a platform for modernization, how can they use that vehicle for those modernization goals, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I've got to give kudos to, to GSA because they really did a nice job constructing this contract vehicle. They solicited a lot of input from industry on how to make this really powerful uh, and, and what sort of comprehensive suite of services were out there that agencies could take advantage of. Uh, I would say given kind of uh, the wide breadth of services that exist on this contract, EIS can really now be the vehicle where agencies can kind of consolidate their, both their communications and their IT infrastructure uh, and really manage it holistically as a service from end to end, including uh, security throughout. And so there's some exciting things out there. For instance, now we're seeing more movement towards advanced internet technology that'll allow agencies to, to really deliver more bandwidth uh, than what they're getting on their legacy technologies today. And as I mentioned a little bit previously, they can actually scale up and scale down and throttle based on uh, mission need, which is, which is, I think, that sort of cost to serve or that, that sort of as a service model or that consumption-based model is, is, is going to be a little bit more um, uh, cost beneficial for them. Um, the other thing I would say is, again, as we mentioned, software-defined networking, what they can really do now is, is extricate the control plane from the data plane now. And this provides them a lot more control at the software layer. It's very similar to what virtualization did for infrastructure or what SAN did for storage, for example. And so they can manage this a lot more cost effectively by doing it at the software layer. 
And as you sort of increase this type of network and application visibility, what it does is also improve as a byproduct your cybersecurity capabilities. Uh, it becomes way easier to implement automated tools, to apply continuous monitoring. And as these networks become more transparent, uh, it really opens up a lot of opportunities to do things like cyber risk scoring, which we're seeing a lot with insurance companies and others, where agencies can actually get custom cyber report cards on their security postures. And the final thing I would just say is really just around, now there's a greater suite of wireless offerings available. And whereas agencies in the past may have had difficulty getting you know, true, real, full path diversity locations, they can now do things like take advantage of 4G or even 5G backup solutions. Um, so they have both a wireline primary and a wireless backup, or in some circumstances, they could even replace their fiber connectivity altogether with uh, with primary LTE, and they can do out-of-band modem manage or out-of-band management with wireless devices as opposed to doing it uh, through modems. So it's very flexible contract. It also allows you to bring on a large ecosystem of partners, you know, so that integrators like Verizon can really provide fully integrated solutions like um, enhanced call centers, security solutions, network operation services, et cetera. And all of this can be consumed as, as uh, you know, and as a service basis for these customers. Yeah, so there's efficiencies and there are probably also technical advantages. Uh, what are some of those such as, you know, higher bandwidth, this kind of thing, reduced latency, especially important as you do converge everything onto one single infrastructure, which I guess is a combination of wired and wireless but one logical. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happening is you're absolutely right. We're moving things on a one single infrastructure. And historically we looked at the network kind of really just simply as a transport mechanism. And now I think what agencies are able to do is look at it as a catalyst for intelligence gathering as a whole. So if you look at it, agencies are seeing tremendous increase of volumes of data across their enterprise, both on their wireline networks and on their wireless networks. Um, you know, some of the micro trends we're seeing is, IP traffic is now measured in, in Zeta bytes. Connected IoT devices have tripled over the past couple of years. Uh, and more and more data is traversing into the cloud and off-premise based environments. And so with all of this data comes a need, I think, to parse, to process, and to analyze it faster and separate true data or true information from data. And so you may have heard of something called multi-edge access compute or MEC. Uh, and what this really allows a user to do is be able to reduce a lot of latency by taking much of the compute that exists and is done in the data center today and actually move it to the edge of their network. And so now with this movement, agencies can really more rapidly apply um, a lot of machine learning into their mission spaces and do it through real-time processing. And ironically, with all of that data, one of the kind of the, the great byproducts of this is that as compute kind of moves towards the edge, less data is really needed, I think, to be transported to the data center as a whole, and less bandwidth is needed to go to the data center um, because you, you know, you're seeing a lot of kind of data reduction happening uh, on the edge. So there's a lot of exciting things, I think, for agencies to take advantage of. All right, so I guess it's time to get with the program. I wanna thank today's guest, Tom Kalatosti, is Executive Director for Public Sector Programs Management at Verizon. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search EIS Month. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights EIS Month, sponsored by Verizon on Federal News Network. Your transition to EIS shouldn't be complicated, and that's where Verizon can help. 
With a proven transition process and experience moving millions of connections, Verizon can give you the expertise and support you need, so you can worry less about the risk of disruption or overworking your team. And when you're ready to modernize, we'll be there to help. Rely on Verizon to help make your transition into EIS as simple as possible. The partner government agencies rely on. Get started with a transition guide at enterprise.verizon.com EIS.